0: Welcome to the From Battle to Business podcast. In this podcast, business coach and fellow veteran, Dean Van Dyke will bridge the gap between service and civilian life, helping guide veteran business owners to supercharge their business and unlock hidden profits. You wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. Let's get to it.
1: Well, welcome back. This is From Battle to Business with your host, Dean Van Dyke. And today I'd like to welcome Andrew from Ahead Business Support, Andrew Cook, is an experienced business partner and owner. He offers a unique blend of back-office ex- expertise and a diverse professional background. He's got more than 20 years of military service in the US Navy, and works as an HR and operations professional since 2007, working with nonprofits, for-profits, and government entities, and has an extreme passion for helping businesses succeed. Welcome, Andrew.
0: Thanks, Dean. Thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, absolutely always love having a fellow navy vet on the <laughs> podcast. Uh so tell us a little bit about yourself, your military experience as well as what you're doing now.
0: Yeah, so I I actually ended up joining the navy. Uh just felt very lost. I, I was in college, um had some had some transition issues there uh moving from one college to another and uh I walked into a recruiter's office and I was off to boot camp two weeks later, which is um that is just startlingly quick for today's recruiting environment. I, I worked in recruiting for a while later in my Navy career. Um, so I, I joined, I went submarines, did that for 10 years, I got off active duty, joined the reserves, picked up by uh commission in the reserves as an intelligence officer. Uh, did that for a few years at the uh, National Air and Space Intelligence Center in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, there was a joint forces command with the Air Force. And then I got picked up to go active duty again for four years with Navy Recruiting District Ohio, um, where I started off as a recruiter uh, for officer programs and then eventually moved into the uh, operations officer department head position there at the, the recruiting district. And then I... I retired uh, in 2017 uh, after 20 years. That was uh, that was it, and and really for me, part of leaving at that point was uh, having the opportunity to support my wife
1: in a, a big career shift that she was undergoing at that time. Wow! So you went from enlisted and then transitioned into an officer role, and you. Th- you hear about that, but you don't always, I don't think there's many out there that do that. So tell us about that transition.
0: Yeah. So um, I don't know if other services have like the equivalent name, but you know, that, that was always called a Mustang. If you Mm -hmm. had somebody that was, um, you know, enlisted to officer, I thought it was just a stellar transition. And, you know, like, Going into a leadership, either a division officer or department head role, um, I I felt like my connection with my enlisted sailors was much better. I felt like the respect was really there, you know, that there was a sense that I had I had walked in their shoes Um, and I just, you know, like I thought that was it was really great. Right, it, it felt like sort of being able to be part of both brotherhoods, both officer and enlisted, um, having, having a lot of respect in, in both camps, having a lot of, um, you know, like when I spoke to the commanding officer about like, this is what I see in the enlisted people, like there was I felt like he gave me more gravity uh, because of where I came from and my understanding in that community. So I, I really did. I thought it was a great uh, opportunity. Um, I went through a program called uh, DCO direct commission officer. Um, that's a, a reserve specific program. And so it closely mimics um Officer Development School, which is sort of the, the officer program that um, military doctors, uh, JAG officers, chaplains go through. So it's not sort of the full-blown um, OCS experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and really a lot of that is the acknowledgement that the DCO program pulls enlisted people. So they know you have had the experience as, you know, like having gone through a boot camp, And so now it's, it really is more refinement leadership. Um, yeah, great, great program. Uh, I was certainly lucky to have that opportunity in my career.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great transition. Um, a chief petty officer that I served with in the Navy did that as well, went from being a chief petty officer, um, and then did the, uh, Mustang. He he was basically a Mustang. And, uh, so that's awesome. Well, so you went from enlisted submariner. So what was your, what did you do as a submariner?
0: Uh, I was an electronics technician. Um, and so submarines are a funny community. There's, you know, we're boats, we're not ships. And so it's a, you know, it's a very small, Crew. I was on a, a ballistic missile submarine. So about 150 uh, total crew. And so instead of like you get on an aircraft carrier and you have like all of these, these ratings and uh submarines really like boil all of that down. So you you have like machinist mates, electronic technicians, and and we all have like our, our different specialties. So you have like MM nukes, you have MM you know, like traditional, mm-hmm. uh, we even went away from having like torpedo men as a, a specific rate on the submarine. They were just, oh, interesting. uh, radium and used to be a thing on submarine, but we, we became ETs. Um, so I was sort of like what they call like an ET communications. There were ET navigations. Um, and really our role was more like it, um, you know, we, we manned radar, we did like satellite communications, um, electronic support measures. So it it really spanned across a number of what would be surface ratings. It really, really interesting mix up of everything, but I I don't know why they, you know, like felt like, Hey, within this community, we're going to really limit the number of ratings that exist. But yeah,
1: that was sort of my experience that's interesting cuz i you know on the surface uh, surface navy it's fire control which is what i did and et but you had your ew your rm so it's interesting how they've can i guess condensed it in the samaria yeah. community yeah
0: i mean that's essentially it I and mean, we had you know like we had our sonar tax, and we had our fire control um but we didn't have fcs and fts you know we mm-hmm. just had fts um yeah. I mean, it, it, it is really interesting and, and T's would have been everything from like your quartermasters to uh, IC men, uh, you know, internal comms. Yeah. I mean, really, really, really interesting uh, just the way they sort of like combined all of that. And really, so my A school for comms and navigation is the same through like a certain, uh, portion of the, the of submarine school and then you don't divide off until like down the pipeline a little bit so we all get trained on navigation principles to a degree we all get trained mm-hmm. on radar uh moboards boards sort of like all of all of that and then they split the class into communications and and full navigation so yeah i mean it, it is a it is an interesting interesting small uh tight-knit community
1: oh i'm sure and and just uh the training you have to go through, I'm sure is, uh, pretty intense. Uh, I had a, uh, a, <clears throat> a veteran that I went through fire control school and he, uh, started to go through the training in Groton. I think it was, yeah, Groton. <clears throat> and, uh, he ran into some, uh he got injured and then wasn't I guess, wasn't eligible to remain in the Samaritan community, but was able to stay in the surface fleet. So um, Mm -hmm. went through fire control school with him and he described some of the, (laughs) some of the training you guys went through. And I was like, Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) But uh, so interesting. Well, we appreciate the background and, and I think you've got a unique perspective uh, as we were talking before uh, we hit the record button is, you know, you're pre 9-11 and post 9-11. Uh, I'm pre, uh, I got out in 2000 from my reserve time. Um, So give us, so having both of those perspectives, give us your thoughts on how, cause you technically transitioned out twice. How did that go for you? What was your experience like? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I, I think my my first transition was you know that it was sort of like a, a big complex transition, right? Because not only was I leaving active duty, and honestly, I didn't uh I didn't sign up for the reserves right away. So I actually re I had like a I don't know, it's not even really a break in in service because you you know, it's like any other transition, you have like x number of days to report. And so but I did just have like this period of time where I hadn't signed all the paperwork to transition into the reserves. So I was, you know, I was sort of like wondering, am I transitioning 100% out of this community, this, this world. And I was also moving from uh, a military base. My wife and I were stationed in Groton at that time to back to central Ohio where we live now. And um, yeah, I just, I think at that point, I just didn't, know what anything was going to look like. And I, Mm -hmm. I remember sitting through taps and, um, I wasn't, you know, I probably wasn't super sure what I should be paying attention to and what I shouldn't be, uh, which sounds terrible, but you know, like it was, it was just like a, a, this really overwhelming period of time where, you know, like my wife and I were moving our own house. We, we didn't, uh, do a Navy move for the first time in our, you know our career we we'd moved from ohio to kings bay georgia with the navy kings bay to groton with the navy and then for whatever reason we just decided no way we're going to do this ourselves and I, I don't know yeah i mean we just made everything more complex than it probably needed to be so i just you know like i don't remember probably being really focused and i think that um you know like I always get those questions. Like, what would you tell yourself <laughs> knowing now that you, you didn't know then? And part of it would be like, Hey man, pay attention. Cause there probably was some information there that I just, I totally missed. And, and I, I know that once I got here and I got affiliated in the reserves that, um, you know, the reserves did a great job of sort of catching me up on some things that I needed mm-hmm. to know. Um, that and that's actually where I learned about the the officer program. Uh, I, I got an opportunity to talk to a recruiter again uh, and and learn like you know how to how to apply what I qualified for. Um, learned more opportunities, sort of like midstream on my own. About uh, you and I talked about uh, like the troops to teachers program that existed mm-hmm. at that time. But I really learned about that program, I was already past TAPS. So oh. uh, I had learned about it, I think either somebody had just mentioned it offhand and I had finished my, my bachelor's degree and then it, while in the Navy, um, actually finished my degree through Southern Illinois University and I took my classes at the Coast Guard Academy, which is right across the river from the submarine base and in, in the Coast Guard Academy is in New London, Ohio, in New London Connecticut. So, yeah, I mean, like I was, I was positioned well for some, some things to happen for me, but, um, you know, somebody must've mentioned that when I was in classes that there was this troop to teacher programs. And I was like, oh man, I, you know, at that time I was helping coach a a, a soccer team, a a middle school soccer team at a a local school. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed working with those kids, I mean, they were ornery as heck, but I, you know, like it just it appealed to me for whatever reason, right? Like I was, I was young and you know, full of energy at that point, so I, I thought this is great. Like I, you know, I just finished my degree, I can go out and I can take advantage of this troops to teachers program. And when I I finally got transitioned to Ohio and, and started digging into it, I I had really missed a lot of key uh, elements that I needed to have in line before I, I started applying. And it, it was really stuff that I needed to but have planned probably years before I did the transition. And I, I think that, you know, like that was probably the another lesson that I learned from that transition piece is when you're, you know, like you've got your orders to separate and you you have to take tap class and you've got all these other, you know, big life changing events going on in your life. Unless you're staying in that military environment, you know, if you're transitioning off active duty and you're in the the Norfolk area and you plan on staying and living in the Norfolk area, like right, maybe that's a little a little easier. But you know, statistically speaking, most of us that join the Navy don't join from a you know a coastal military based type of community. We, you know, we still return back to the heartland, right? Like mm-hmm. that's always been the case. World War One, World War Two that you get these big surges of people from, you know, like the Midwest and they go out to join the military and get their adventures in. And then they return back to their communities. And um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I almost think that something like a tapped class, but that happens potentially like every couple years, you know, mm-hmm. we do military leadership training that Getting some of those pieces of information in people's hands uh, ahead of time probably would be a. I mean, that would that would probably make the transition easier when you get there. That you would have had some some exposure to those concepts, and, and maybe the military leadership training is probably not the right uh, correlation. But like, how many times did you have financial management training in your career? I I had it every year. It was mandatory, and so. Um, you know and that was really with the entire idea that you know we're planning for this this long-term future retirement you know tsp all of these benefits and and having some savvy with how to use them that's really the the probably the right comparison right so you would give these you know young sailors and soldiers airmen the the right tools earlier in their, their career so that they understand what, you know, what a life after the military is going to look like, because we all get there, you know, whether you do your three years and you're gone, or you do 20 years, uh, there is 100% of us are going to go into the workforce after serving.
1: Agreed. And, you know, some of the data that I've looked at and read recently, now this is, um, from 2019, but even, I mean, 2019 is not that long ago, you know, most of us, most veterans felt like the military prepared us well for active duty, but only about half say that the mil- they were prepared for the transition to civilian life and knowing, uh, you know, and, and some of the numbers even say 16% say the military prepared them well for transition. I mean, that's pretty low when you think about it, um, uh, And when I trained, go ahead.
0: Uh, I was going to say, I was, I was truly blown away because I was told throughout my, this is, this is one piece of my, my military career that I remember, you know, very well, how, how well trained I was going to be for the civilian world and how much civilian, you know, employers value military experience and, And I remember applying for jobs after getting off active duty, after serving 10 years at that point in, you know, submarine electronics and how difficult it was to explain Mm -hmm. to a civilian employer what it was that I did because there wasn't even, you know, like there really even in a technical field, there wasn't any good way to draw direct connections and right. at that time the navy did have some um there were apprenticeship programs and there there were some ways that i think specifically the the best translations were probably for the mechanical uh fields right if you're you repair diesel engines on a submarine you can take that knowledge and repair diesel engines in the civilian world. If you're a truck driver as an army guy, you can be a truck driver in the civilian world. Um, But yeah, I mean, like I, I actually felt really let, really let down by um, and frustrated by the fact that, you know, like I had been told like how valuable my, my, all of my military training was and, and how that was going to help me secure a job and it, it was almost a real barrier um, specifically because of my rating and because of what I had done mm-hmm. uh, that I, I just, I had a really, really hard time translating that into language that somebody else could understand. Um, I I work with, <laughs> have been working with some veterans uh, in my, my current role and I find that now because I've, you know, like I'm, I'm well removed from those instances that I can help translate. Like, this is what you did in the military and this is how, how it works in the civilian world. This is what you're, you're good at. Um, But man, it was really hard to see it when I was the one making that transition.
1: Right. And that's one of the, you know, when you try to convert your rate or even as an officer, you try to convert the surface warfare aspect of what you what you do um, in civilian terms, uh, you know, I had the the honor of working with a veterans group at Microsoft when I was there about creating a, a. We were more focused on the on MOS since we have a pretty good size Army and Air Force base out here, but an MOS converter to civilian similar civilian roles, and that was a huge challenge to try to do that and try to you know help people take uh, i mean like you said you know a mechanic that's pretty easy to transition a military police officer that's pretty easy to transition but when you take like a electronics tech fire control tech um or sonar uh and and you don't think about all the leadership aspects that you that you were trained on and and you learned um but it is very tough to convert that type of uh, information into, you know, a resume, cover letter, things like that. That a hiring that a recruiter would understand, unless it's a, you know, a, a military type recruiter who can help you with potentially, uh, you know, revising how you've got things worded and things like that.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean that's interesting that you mentioned that, Dean, because I had actually when I was transitioning. I had tried to use a, a headhunting service to help place me. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a really bad experience with that. I, and I don't know whether I just drew the short straw with uh, getting somebody to help me, but it was almost like that, you know, they were having that same challenge that I was having in terms of translating the, the transferable skills, right? Like, right. The, you know, there's a ton of stuff that we do in the military. I mean, just even something as basic as the ability to follow instructions. Uh, you know, read read a tech manual or follow a procedure. Right? Like there, you don't need to know too much about a procedure. You don't need to memorize it. Right? If you know how to follow a procedure, right? And you're trained to do that. Like that. That's such a great skill. That that transfers all over the place because that tells me, as an you know, if I'm a hiring uh, employer. I can hand you a procedure and say you like, you know how to do this, right? Because I'm giving you the, the tool that's gonna walk you step by step and you know how important it is to follow every step in order. You know, my world, we did things oftentimes with an observer. So you had like a reader an observer and the observer's job was, you know, basically to just verify the procedure that we just read got done correctly, right? Mm, so now right. you've got a little bit of supervision. Um, you've got people that are willing to speak up when something's not going well. You've got people who are, are critical thinkers because, um, <laughs> you know, uh, any day on a ship is pretty crazy. Weird things happen. Things catch fire, things leak, things, you know, <laughs> just weather happens and and people instantly know how to respond to casualties. And, uh, you know, we do all those drills to make sure mm-hmm. that we're ready to do those things. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many great skills that we leave with, but, um, you know, like that that could be a, a whole day of tap by itself, right? Is like, here's, here is how you write a resume and, and do that, right? Like just sit down and write everybody a resume. That would oh, be I, so valuable.
1: I agree. I think the, I mean, that would be a great, you know, that would be time well spent, uh, writing a resume and having somebody who can help you think about those things. Uh, you know, because one of the things we're all trained on in the Navy is firefighting, and, um, uh, you know, we're trained on the fire triangle, how it works, what you need to do, what you shouldn't do in certain classes of fires, and, um, which is interesting because I actually had to apply those skills in civilian life, um, which is great. Uh, But the other thing too, was, is, you know, the amount of stress, uh, you know, I, I I only got to tour a submarine, so I don't know what it's like to be hundreds of feet, you know, below the surface. And, um, but even on a surface ship, uh, you know, one of the deployments that we were on post, uh, uh, Desert well, actually was we were still in desert storm, but post desert storm was is in the in the Persian Gulf, we uh, two A6s were flying out of the no-fly zone after enforcing it, decided to change wingmen, and somehow or another clipped wings and went down. Well, they they all served they all ejected all four uh, flight officers ejected. The unfortunate thing is they ejected into a minefield and when you are then tasked our ship was tasked to go pick them up you know we launched our helo but yet we as a ship had to go in to this minefield it had well it had been cleared supposedly um but i was in combat when we were doing this and you saw the the navigational chart clearly marked minefield and the stress the but the discipline kicks in in that in that scenario and you've got the stress, but the thing is, is your training kicks in and it's been, you know, you've been preparing for stuff like this to get to that point. And I think that those are some of the skills it's tough to, you know, explain that, you know, we trained constantly, uh, for damage control measures, we, you know, general quarters, but those are some of the skills you learn and, and you, you grow through, but those are tough to translate
0: yep i i totally agree and i just don't think we we don't do a great service to uh service members when we don't you know telling somebody this is going to translate well and helping them translate Mm it uh those are two very different things and and, you know hey look uh i may not be the the sharpest tack in the drawer but I, i i do okay and i was still baffled right and um you know, I I was older when I went into the the Navy. I was 21, so uh, you know I wasn't 18 and and still kind of lost. And um, yeah, man, I I think that really, you know, as we we've talked about this a few times now, that's one area where I, I think that you could see a, a really big impact really quickly. If you just armed somebody with uh, a suitable resume that they could take out when they start job
1: hunting. Yeah. And I think, you know, another thing that, you know, we, we could do better, I think from a military transition is, is, is it's almost like when you leave the gate for the last time, when you drive through that gate, I hate to say it, but it's almost like it slams behind you and all your support is gone and i think what we could do better is extend tap or or maybe it's a post tap program for veterans whether you retired or you like you said you d- you did your 3 years but extend that i guess career counseling services for maybe 90 maybe 6 months i mean it it wouldn't it wouldn't take much i mean i'd rather spend our federal dollars that way than some of the other ways we spend it but that's another topic for another day
0: yeah That no I, I i love that idea too um somebody should ask us to solve these problems uh <laughs> uh no i i think that just like you said that that post um you know like post chaos mm-hmm. when you you actually can sit down and say okay my a job hunt hasn't been going well. Now I know what's, you know, like I have a sense that my resume needs a lot of assistance, or I've been applying to a whole bunch of jobs and I'm not getting any calls back, you know, like being able to reach out and access somebody that can say, oh, like, well, let's, you know, like, let's take a look at your resume. What does that look like? You know, what are you what are you putting on applications? How can we translate some of your your military skill set to something that a civilian employer would understand? And really, I think all of that, uh, was really lost on me. I and I don't remember anybody else. I'm trying to think back now, you know, like I don't remember anybody else who had already been applying for jobs or had something, you know, locked down unless it was like I'm gonna return to my family's business and right, you know, general store back home, whatever the thing is, right? But but I, I just, you know, like I don't remember anybody not paying attention because they had it all figured out. I, I but I do remember people being really uh you know like c- confused or just you know like their heads were spinning because there's just mm-hmm. so much going on in that period. I remember you know like just even something like them saying, "Hey, you know, you're going to do a BA application." And I remember thinking, "But I'm but I'm fine." You know, like I'm right. I'm okay right now. And then Years later, well, no, <laughs> I, I've got some problems that have have arisen, and I've worked with the VA, and, and fortunately, because somebody like made me do that, and I mean, made me right, because if it was up to me, I just wouldn't have done it. Nobody explained to me why. Um, that was one of the few things where somebody really did like save me from myself. But uh, but yeah, without you know, like without that documentation at one point in time. I probably just would have been out of luck. And right. so I think that not, you know, not just forcing people to do some stuff, but also explaining, you know, yes, you, you may feel okay today, but you know, like somewhere down the road, you're going to want this service connection. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, and I just, I just think that is, that's a really difficult time to pay attention because there just is so much going on. Um, you know, you're losing your support network, you're losing your friends, you're losing your, you know, the life you've known for however many years uh, you're moving, you're starting a whole new life. And then they're keeping a bunch of information on top of that. So I, I love the idea of, of some kind of 30, 60, 90 day post transition tap class and just give people the ability to circle back and take advantage.
1: No. And I, I, You know, just the, when you think about the transition, you're right. You've got, and I know they give you a checklist to transition out, but they don't give you one to transition into civilian life, unfortunately. Um, But like, you're right. You're setting up your move. You're, whether you're single or you're married and you've got a family. I mean, it's, it's a pretty chaotic time. and, And I think that that's, that's one of the things where, you know, it, you just don't slow down during that time because one you're anxious oh i'm getting out or you know and and we're moving and and um and so it's just it's it's a chaotic time and um and it's a it's a time that you're excited but you're also trepidatious about it too so yeah so
0: i mean i I think the in I'll, I'll try and spin this into a, a good direction here for a second. So yes, I mean, like the, there are definitely some faults there. And I, I think that the, the really good outcomes from this is that there are people like you, like me, like, you know, dozens, hundreds, thousands, others of us that understand uh, what that transition looks like, who are there to help either in a, a very professional way like you and I, but even, um, you know, I have run into veterans that really, you know, I, I've got a buddy who's a Navy veteran. I think he retired or, or he got out of the Navy in the early eighties and he was one of the biggest helps uh, for me for just working with the VA. Cause I was mm-hmm. pretty, you know, like even that I was pretty overwhelmed with, but he had navigated it and he was just basically like, Hey, here's what you do here. You know, I'm going to hold your hand and guide you through this. Right. I I mean, like those resources, the community still exists outside you, you know, like the, the veterans just need to understand that they, they can reach out, they can find those resources. Um, the military is not going to provide it to you anymore, but you know, like there are good
1: people who want to help. Yeah. There's so many veteran nonprofit groups that are out there and, you know, and I'll give a shout out to the, when I, when I left the Navy, um, you know, I, like you, you said earlier, I transitioned back into the heartland and there's no naval base anywhere near where I transitioned (laughs) back to. And, uh, but I was fortunate enough to get connected with the American Legion and, uh, they served as my advocate and uh, because you're right, navigating the VA that, that's, that's a challenge doing it on your own, but there are resources out there and, and, you know, we'd be here all night long listing them out, but they they're there to help. And I think one of the things we as a veteran community do well is, you know, we continue to help fellow veterans and uh, you know, whether it's they need help with a resume, you know, all of us have within our network, the ability to provide, you know, referrals or even do the work ourselves to help fellow veterans um, with what they need. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, this has been great. I want to move into the speed round. I've got a couple of tough questions for you. (laughs) Um, All right. So starting off, what are your three books that you would recommend and why?
0: Ooh Man, I really wish I was prepared for that. So number one, uh, Marcus Aurelius, Emperor's Handbook. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like just as a source of, of guiding wisdom that is, that really is a fantastic book. Um, i I'm a big fan of anything uh by the dalai lama um i i find him to be such a kind gentle and compassionate soul and um (laughs) you, you know like this this was definitely one of my growth opportunities for exiting the the military was to uh and transitioning into the civilian world was to soften some of my edges um you know, you can get away with a lot in the military that doesn't fly so well in the civilian (laughs) world. And so I think there's, there's been this like thread of sort of like self-help to like, uh, bring myself back to a place where I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm accepting of people. I, I work on my patience, my kindness, my compassion. So I, I think that anything that he writes, the art of happiness, um, comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, just, just more great wisdom there, and uh, I'm <laughs> I love just science fiction books. And right now, I'm uh, I'm reading the um, it's soon to be a, a a TV series on Apple called Silo, but it's um, it's wool and it's it describes life in a like a military silo post apocalyptic event and i i just have found that to be an
1: intriguing story um just sort of nice to read oh it sounds like it sci-fi i think that's the you're the first guest that's mentioned sci-fi in the book question interesting really yeah
0: (laughs) i feel like that should be a a no-brainer for for military sorts and i i mean i remember reading you know like underway there's so much time, you know, on your hands that I, I remember like rushing through like the Lord of the Rings trilogy or Hobbit or you know, like these really big books because I you know, I just had time to lay in my rack and read. So
1: Yeah, yeah. that's there 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 was plenty of time to do that, that's for sure when you're underway. <laughs> so what are your three favorite movies and why? Ooh.
0: Okay so I'm I'm going to this is going to be embarrassing for me. So I love Goonies. Um Oh no way. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: a I That's am a, a classic.
0: A, it really is. So I you know like I'm I was born in 1976. I'm I grew up in the 80s. So like my my favorite movies are all um really like that that era. So Goonies, Last Starfighter, um I, I don't know like those just totally uh rocked my world uh when I was a kid. And then um new movie, everything, every, everything everywhere all at once. Is that what it's called? The it's another sort of sci-fi, uh Michelle Yo. Um man, it was, it was just good sort of like had this great mix of like funny and action and deep thought. Yeah, I, I loved
1: it. Wow. I don't think I've heard of that one. I'll have to check it out. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed hearing your story and talking about transitioning from the military. Where can our, where can my audience go to learn more about you?
0: Yeah. So my website is just aheadsupport.com, A H uh, E A D S U P P O R T.com. Um, there you can sort of see the, the offerings that I provide um, everything from Pretty hands-on, you know, operations, HR, business coaching, uh, business consulting, uh, and and really the the coaching piece is what I'm starting to lean more or trans transition more towards. Um, I'm I'm just finding that in terms of sheer benefit that you know, I the the clients that I'm working with in that manner, um. It's the, it's really the, the helping somebody to fish by mm-hmm. fishing for them. And, and so, you know, I, I find that my clients are much more appreciative of the, the coaching aspect, like helping them stand on their feet by themselves without, um, you know, just, just outsourcing it and having somebody else do all the work. Uh, but I will, you know, like I'm, I'm capable and I'll roll up my sleeves because that's what military folks do. Um, but yeah, you can go learn more about me there or shoot me an email, andrew at ahead
1: Perfect. Well, I know just looking at your website that you can also schedule some time with Andrew, and I'd highly advise that you do that. Uh, Pretty easy to do via the Canon Lee uh, option there. Uh, Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today on From Battle to Business. It's been great having you. And Uh, may have you back sometime. We might have to talk about networking because obviously the network when you leave or your network, when you leave the military, uh, is not where it should be.
0: Yes. Uh, that, that is an understatement. Um, yeah, that'd be another great topic. I'd love to be back on at some point.
1: Sounds good. Well, thank you so much and have a great rest of your evening. Thanks Dean.
0: Thanks for listening. In order to help others, Please subscribe and share this show up with other veteran business owners in your network. If you want specific guidance, feel free to book a complimentary call with Dean at DeanVanDyke.com. Remember, you wouldn't go into battle
1: alone, and now you don't have to in business.